Hey, what's going on, everyone? I hope you're having an awesome day, commute, workout, and bike ride. I don't know. Whatever you're doing, enjoy it. You know, I just want to say thanks, as always. Uh, okay, we are getting there. Man, what are we on? Episode 12 now, I believe. And we're talking, this is a little bit more on the dire side because I think it's important to actually be a realist about this. And episode 12, Social Security, uh, basically your future, our future. I mean, that's running out this next decade. How are you going to retire? Like, how will you retire? And that's a big question because honestly, the answer I think is different for everyone. Uh, but let's put it this way. I'm going to put a link in the description. It is actually to the 2021 reports is the annual report of the board of trustees of the federal old age survivors insurance and federal disability insurance trust funds. And I know that was a big, big gulp to swallow from, but basically it's from the SSA.gov. That is the social security administration. And this is coming from a report from, you know, the board of trustees. It's like Nancy Pelosi, Kamala Harris, uh, Janet Yellen, Martin Walsh. So these are all the, the big wigs in Washington, D.C. And they did a report for 2021 to give an overview of this trust, which is basically the trust that was established uh, in the past to say, hey, this is going to create prosperity for our working, hardworking Americans as they get into retirement age, right? So that was the that was like the trick to make people feel better about uh, working and paying this social security out of their wages like every couple weeks, right? Whenever you get a paycheck, you're going to see uh, money come out. And that is exactly where this goes to. And so this is kind of a problem because, you know, if we, if we look into this further, the real way I can put this is they've done a lot of projections. And what they said is that the asset re reserves become depleted and unable to pay scheduled benefits on, on full and a timely basis in 2034. So that is like 12 years from now. I mean, that's basically a decade from now. And, you know, what are you going to be doing in 12 years? What about your kids? What about, I don't know, your, your family, your parents? You know, it, for everyone, it's different. But I will tell you, in 12 years, a lot will be different. And that, that's good and bad. The real bad here is that, you know, we all age on a the same timeline, right? As a year goes by for me, it goes by for you and someone else. And 12 years is usually like if someone has a career that's 20 or 25 years, I mean, that's half of someone's career from now. So by the time this gets to 2034, and we're looking at projected insolvency. <laughs> I mean, that's someone who's on the back end of retirement, right? They're probably considering retirement. They're they're halfway through their career or they're on the back end of their career. So if you're five, six, eight years into your career and you plan on, you know, working for that that 20, 30 years, whatever it may be, by the time you're getting to the back end of that, you're, you know, you're on the you're on the home stretch, so to speak. Like you'll have something that you've been paying into all your life and you won't get paid back anything or at the other worst case scenario. Let's think about it this way. They had said this and I quote, I think it's from page eight or nine here. And again, I'll put the link in the description, but this is just fascinating to me. What it says is that to illustrate the magnitude of the 75 year 
actuarial deficit, which they're just kind of projecting out. It's like, hey, we're not collecting enough and we're giving out too much. Uh, and so when they project out by 75 to 100 years, uh, they're saying on, on the 75-year actuarial deficit, consider that for the combined trust funds to remain fully solvent throughout this 75-year projection, uh, two scenarios would have to happen. Number one is that revenue would have to increase by an equivalent amount to an imminent and permanent payroll tax increase of basically between 5 and 15%, right? So, you know, just sliding scale here, let's just assume you're somewhere in the middle there. So we'd be about maybe 10, 12% of a tax increase on your paycheck. So you know how maybe you got a, a raise every couple years, maybe you get a 5 or 10% raise. That's great, but uh, honestly, that's just getting eaten up. And then number two, the other scenario to fix this here, it's saying in tandem, we would have to schedule benefits that would be reduced by an amount equivalent to an immediate and permanent reduction of about 25% of the reductions applied to those who become initially eligible for benefits in 2021 or later. So they're saying like, hey, if we take immediate action now, not you know towards the end of the decade or anything, this would be what we need to do to satiate that deficit and and be able to at least last the next 75 to 100 years and that that's great in terms of explaining what's required but it's not great in terms of saying hey do you think in 2021 <laughs> that we can bring together enough people to raise the taxes and lower the amount of payouts for people that are of age to retire and you know start start taking advantage of social security in a sense. So the answer to that is no, I <laughs> like that's, that's great that they give the productions. I think it makes a lot of sense, but what's definitely going to happen is what we do all the time is we kick the can down the road. Things go further and further. We sweep the dust under the rug. And instead, what will happen is, you know, four, four or five years will go by. And it's like, hey, this is becoming a problem. You guys, we're getting closer. So now at that point, we'd have to actually raise the amount of wage taxes by 20% or 25%. And then we'd also have to reduce the actual benefit by like 30, 40, 50%, right, in order to meet that obligation. And that becomes tricky because, you know, it's just a moving target always, but then we're trying to depend on humans that are, I guess, in some ways, not easy to trust. They're not, uh, they're more reactive. They're not very pro, uh, proactive, basically, right? Like this is a very proactive statement that's saying like, hey, we do this now. But usually what will happen is we wait until it's almost disaster time. Then we make big changes, right? We wait until almost test time, like the day of, <laughs> then we start studying, you know, that night or whatever. Uh, we wait until the report is due for class and we don't do it until like two days before, right? That's just humans. I, I'm very guilty of that too. And that's fine. But what I'll tell you is like, I'm still a little blown away by the fact that in my, this is just my personal take, you know, and, and I, I don't want to sway people in certain ways or not, but I think it's crazy that like this is literally a Ponzi scheme, right? If you think about it, the main premise of a Ponzi scheme is that you are taking money 
and you keep taking money, right? You keep taking more money and you keep growing based on that. And then in order to like satiate your early investors, you pay them money, but it's money that's coming in from the newer investors, right? It's like, this is exactly what Bernie Madoff did. And then we ran into problems as the market crashed. So what Madoff kept doing is he's like, Hey, I'm doing great. Check me out. <laughs> Here's, you know, here, I'm going to give you some money as like a, a return on your investment. Uh, you know, investor number one, two, five, ten. And then, but investor 100 and 200, like I'm depending on them like to grow. I'm depending on getting three or four more investors so I can pay off my early number one or two investor. And you just keep like growing that and you keep growing that. And that's how the Ponzi scheme runs. But the problem is you need to have continued growth. And we're at a point now where wage growth is kind of messy. You know, we're not seeing a lot of it, but it could change in the future. Number two, we're not seeing as many workers in the workforce. And there's various reasons why, you know, I don't think it needs to get political or, or do anything of that nature, but it's just the the mathematical facts and statements are there. Like, it's just weird to me. Like, this is a Ponzi scheme, right? Like, we're just, the problem is we're not getting enough uh, new workers. The birth rate is lower. You know, we're not getting enough of a workforce to support the old workforce, and that's tricky, you know, I, I don't know a perfect answer, but I think it's really important that at least a decade before it happens, we need to be on top of that. And I, you know, the question is, how will you retire? I don't know. Um, I don't have an individual answer for every person. I'm not a financial advisor, but I'm just someone who looks at trends and, and numbers and math. And I think this is something that needs to definitely be looked at and thought of. So it's kind of boring. You know, there's nothing really sexy about it, I guess you could say. But it is something that you need to realize, like, you know, if you're not thinking about it now, you probably won't be thinking about it in four or five years. And then you might not even be thinking about it until you're a couple months from retirement. And that, that's actually happened to a family member of mine, uh, but they weren't prepared in a lot of ways. And you know, they're kind of seeing the consequences. So it's like the sooner you start, the better. The sooner we start to depend on ourselves and not like some human ran entity to like do the work for us and help us out and hold our hand in the future, the better. So keep that in mind, kind of tied to the last episode where I talked about the potential of a bubble coming. I mean, it's not a matter of if, it's just when. Same thing with efficiency. The more efficient you can be now, the more those dividends will pay off in the future. Meaning you know, if you can shave a couple hundred dollars off your monthly spend every month, and that goes into some form of investment that will pay you back in the future. Great. That's perfect. The more you keep doing that and lowering your, your monthly costs and spend, the better, the more ways you can figure out to bring in more, more cash, more capital, uh, more, more money to invest in some format, the better. So that's really where we're at here. I hope that's helpful. Uh, and then I want to talk about in this next one, the trade I made here in AMC. All right. So we are looking at a new trade that I opened up. It is in AMC Entertainment. Uh, and it's coming off of actually the most recent big numbers and move due to the Spider-Man release. So there was a new Spider-Man movie that has come out. It's December 2021. And it's Spider-Man no, no Way Home, I believe it is. My wife and I saw it last night. Pretty good movie. So opening weekend, it was fun. 
but it was crazy to me how busy all the theaters were. Like we had to look through, I think like seven or eight shows back from where we initially wanted to see it. And uh, even then it was really busy. So we got lucky enough that we found a good, some good spots, some good seats. And uh, it was neat to see how busy everything was done. And, and to give you an idea, I think this film pulled in like 250 million in its opening weekend, which I think is like one of the bigger ones out there. I think it might be one of the, at least the best ones since the pandemic. So that's a pretty good sign in general. And because that AMC has popped up about four or 5% today to about $30 and 12 cents. And I decided to, at that moment, open a covered call trade in this. It's basically done for a couple things. One, with the covered call, I own 100 shares of that stock and I'm selling a call against it. So you'll see this as the bread and butter technique for income uh, typically. There's other trades out there, but this one's like one of the easier moves that I like to make. It's simple, easy to do. And the best thing is it's very high probability in terms of taking on the trade. So what I did is it where it's trading at, I went out just a few days ahead of time. We're looking at January 7th uh, calls and this is 18 days away from today. And I went up to the $32 strike and decided to sell premium at that call. So I sold the 32 call against my hundred shares. And this is saying, Hey, I'm going to get paid $305 for putting up the hundred share risk in this trade. Now the good and bad, if this goes above $32 per share and it gets to expiration, I will lose the hundred shares. That's my collateral. That's what's in this trade. And the, the, that's the bad related to this, especially if the, say the stock goes much higher, the good based on that is usually when you're getting big news stories that kind of inflates the market. So I'm basically fading the market based on that setup. And I'm using that as a high probability setup because this is an 84% chance of success based on my trade, the way it's set up and a few things that'll happen. If my shares get called away, say the stock is trading at like $34 a share at expiration, I lose my shares, but I get paid that whole $305. And it would be like, as if I sold my hundred shares at $32 a share, which is the 32 strike. And so that's almost like putting a limit order in at that level. And if it hits fine, you know, you're, you sold your shares at whatever the initial cost was to that price level, but then you're also going to take on that premium that you sold for taking on the risk. And that's what I'm doing with that $305 is collecting this in a way I'm happy in either scenario. If my shares get called away, that'll basically give me $3,200 plus $305 that premium to utilize in my next trade, wherever I want to do that. All right. So hope that was helpful. I know that was a lot to take in there. And as usual, be good to each other. Have a great one. We'll see you on the next pod.